Joe, what do you call a fish with no eyes? What? A fish! Okay, let's try this. Joe, what do you call a can opener that doesn't work? What? A can't opener! Hey, this is Jacques. <clears throat> I'm Joe. And this is Carnival Personnel. And you got about an hour and 15 minutes of that coming up. <sighs> See, Maybe if I keep sighing, we won't have to do the podcast. <laughs> these, these poor people, like, well, these, you're the poor person. A, you're a poor person. Secondly, these people can turn it off. You're stuck here the next hour and 15 minutes. And I live here. But Joe, it is now Christmas in August. What do you mean? Last week, I told you when we went to the Fan Expo in Boston, I got a gift for you. This this briefcase is my gift. You can tell people about my briefcase. It's all Star Trek all the time. There's a, it's a black suitcase, kind of not unlike it's upside down, not unlike the suitcase in Pulp Fiction, but it's covered with decals uh, of uh, Star Trek locales. Um, Original series Star Trek, of course. There was a Spock silhouette on one side, and <gasps> oh my God, I was thinking about this book the other day. I saw a video Were you on really? it. Really? Yes, I saw a video on this, and I go, "Yeah, that's a pretty cool fucking book." There you go. And wow, well, Merry thank- Christmas and August. Oh, thank you. The book I'm talking about is Art of Atari. It's by a guy named Tim Lapatino, and it's a coffee table book. That's probably what. 200 pages or something like that? Or? It's heavy as hell. Yeah, it's like ha- it's like th- three quarters of the size of the NES book that we referenced by Pat Contry. But this is a, a big, hefty coffee table book. It's like 10 by 12 pages. And it's um, all like the Atari, not the fucking video game artwork, because that's not artwork. That was uh, whatever. That's, <laughs> that's a whole other topic. But we're talking about when you actually picked up a box mm-hmm. and looked at the, the magnificence of what like Defender was supposed to look like in their imagination. You know, in your mind's eye, this is what that blue blob on the screen is supposed to represent. Pac-Man is supposed to look like this. Um, Galaga, whatever, is supposed to look like that. Yeah, they look like like epic screen grabs from... 1960 sci-fi movies right. and stuff. Uh, I also I'll give you the I'll give you these though. These are the wristbands that you, from the fan expo that you didn't uh, use. But this is great. Look at this. It's got like, and it goes like really in depth on not just the artwork but like the author or the the, the um, artists. Um, yeah, and it's just it's fucking rad. And I will treasure this for at least the next hour. Thank you so <laughs> much. Oh, no, but this is great. Thank you. And this I mean this is like. Not cheap either. It's like something that, you know. You are worth it. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. Now I'm not going to hit you up for that 50 bucks you owe me. 50 um, bucks? Wouldn't I owe you 40 bucks? I mean, I don't even <laughs> give me 30 bucks. 20 bucks? That's outrageous. Hey, I got that 10. Oh, yeah. Right, can, can I borrow 10? <laughs> uh, get yourself a nice Irish girl instead. Um, inside. Uh, anyways, saw Teen Titans Go. And in a week of flipping and people who flip and maybe flipping should be illegal i've kind of flipped on my opinion on teen titans go welcome aboard uh like i said a few years ago when it came out and the boys started watching it it's like first of all it's not my teen titans they're nasty to each other they're especially nasty to robin um but on one hand it got them into the titans you know and we went cross country a couple years ago and I had all the original Titan videos. So I was like, well, if you're into Titans, you like this. But anyways, 
wasn't really the biggest fan of of Teen Titans Go. The movie is fucking awesome. You couldn't have waited until I stopped chewing. No, um, Will Arnett, executive producer. Um, he's the voice of uh, of Deathstroke, Wade Wilson. Yep. I mean, uh, obviously Lego Batman, but that's kind of. I mean, well, it's a, they're both DC, so yeah. A lot of um. And, and look, there's nobody listening to this who's running out to see it, you know, so I'm not going to give like a whole spoil thing, but I'm going to tell a couple of things. Um, a lot of fourth wall jokes, obviously. A lot of uh, Marvel crossover stuff, like, and then people realizing, oh, they're Marvel people in DC. And it wasn't like, um, I'm trying to think the right way to put it. It was like, why would we do a DC movie? We got to get out of here. Like DC shit on themselves. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, like they they knew that, that Marvel was too good for a movie based on a DC uh, property. But you're not the only one that suggested I see this movie. Uh, guy that my wife works with um, at the um, at the college that she works at um, said that uh, yeah, I must go see it because he and I bonded over the '66 Batman. Like he's about your age and he grew up watching the reruns of it and for christmas one year i gave him like a burned copy of like all of the original batman uh dvds you and gave like, me and I, the same thing right that's right i forgot about you as i t- typically do <laughs> every week um but uh he he liked that so he was like yeah you he, joe should go see this because it's like you know right up the old nerd parody fourth wall alley so i know i probably will but i'm i'm saving my money to see won't you be my neighbor, the Mr. Rogers documentary, because I want to cry alone. <laughs> Outside of the house. Right. Okay. Somewhere, yeah, I want to cry out alone in public. And they, uh, you know, you saw all the commercials and, and, you know, the funny scene where they first meet, like, Deathstroke and his name is Slate Wilson. And they're like, oh, you're a ripoff of Deadpool. That's what you're Wade Wilson. It's like, no, no, it's not. Completely different guy. And I came out first. No, the two guns, the two swords. A lot of people have guns. Mm-hmm. And it's like I said, it's like I knew it, he did the voice of it. But when the credits rolled, it was really great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the very last line of the movie is the best, which killed the audience. Absolutely, you know, killed the audience. Um, and spoiler, in the credits, um, it, it looked like the, the film was breaking up. And then you hear the voice of Robin from the original Teen Titans. It's like, I think we found our way back. And it went into like a real promo. Oh. And, and they're using it to launch the fact that they're bringing back the original Titans. Teen Titans, yeah. <clears throat> so could not be more excited about that. Wow. I can't believe that you weren't arrested for indecent exposure from the boner you were popping <laughs> in the theater. I think it was pretty decent. <laughs> decent exposure. Uh, so, you know. I, I can't. I can't believe how much I flipped on liking Teen Titans Go. Now that was fantastic. Good, good for you. I'm glad that you're not like one of these haters, man. Who's like, that's not what? Uh, what is it? That's how what hyperspace looks like. Those, <laughs> right. yeah. Like, uh, you know, it's good. It's good that you're 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 changing. You're evolving. It's wait a minute. Am I congratulating you on? Now appreciating a cartoon meant for a demographic Small children. thirty years, <laughs> maybe forty years, your your junior. Oh my god! Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about movies. I uh, so management had a friend stay over like the other day on Sunday, so because we were all getting up super early to go to Six Flags for the day, and watched one of the most awful some movies I've ever seen called Shark Lake. Mm-hmm. Starring one Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren. Right. 
If he dies, he dies. If he bites, he bites. What's, what's the tagline for Shark Lake? I will break you. No. Um, <laughs> uh, and so the story is it's a man-made lake, like somewhere in like Minnesota. And, Where there are tons of natural lakes. And it turns out like five years earlier, some poacher um, guy who steals endangered animals, like put a shark in the lake and now it's grown. And Aren't there literally a thousand lakes in Minnesota? Probably, uh, I think it's... I think it's uh, the state like saying it's like ten thousand lakes. That's right. Okay, ten thousand. Yeah. So it's a it's a huge lake. Yeah. You know this this one lake in the movie. But they but, had to make it. But by it's man. a freshwater lake, yeah. and it's like these sharks should die instantly, like, like within I don't know how long. I'm not a shark expert. Most but I lakes know. are freshwater, uh, especially the ones a thousand miles in. <laughs> you know, and somehow this this shark has survived, and the scientists are trying to figure it, dude. The movie was okay. It was a low budget movie, so you get oh, like, go on. Like I'm thinking, probably Dolph Lundgren. Wait, sci-fi said pass. I don't. It might. I don't. It might have been a honest sci-fi thing at one point. I don't know, but yeah, it's uh, it, it didn't have the overwhelming budget Sharknado did, <laughs> um, which just had its sixth movie on Sci-Fi Network. I don't have Sci-Fi on my cable package, so I don't get to see it first run. But uh, I know that I think. The last Sharknado six was supposedly the final Sharknado. Like that's it. They the so I, Shark Lake can now step into the void that Sharknado six is leaving behind. One of the Sharknados, uh, I, I, management and the boys have seen a couple of them. But one of them, they were flying from let's say L.A. to New York and got caught in a Sharknado tornado and which... Well, that's what a Sharknado is. Well, it, but it became snakes on the plane meets Sharknado. Yeah, I think that was two. All of a sudden, the sharks are on an airplane in the air chomping at people. Uh-huh. Um, but this, the CGI, like, I'm guessing that 50% of the budget went to Lundgren, you know? <laughs> and... It's in every every line was predictable. You could see, you know, you were just waiting for the, you know, the old black sheriff to say, "I'm getting too old for this shit." You know, um, there was a couple funny little bits, um, but the CGI was just so bad. You know, when you oh. when you see like a real big movie. And they have a deleted scene, and they had rough renderings of like a big CGI fight between, let's say, Thanos is fighting like the Hulk, and it's rudimentary. See, that's basically what this it's like, was. Yeah, the, the beta version of what the final Marvel version would look like. Right. right. Like PS3 graphics in a PS4 world. Thank you. Or maybe PS2 graphics. More, more, more PS2. Oh, yeah. Gee. And, uh, but it was fun. But it was awful. So it was one of those things. It's like we're about fifteen, twenty minutes in. We're like, do we want to keep watching this and, or watch something else? Like, no, no, we're all in on this one. <laughs> it. Do you know about that popular podcast? How did this get made with Paul Shear? And they yeah. talk about movies. Like this is not even. I don't know if this is good enough. Maybe it is good enough for how did this get made? But that question pops into your mind when you. Talk about the production value and the CGI and Dolph Lundgren. I guess did he produce this as well? He did produce it as right. well. So yeah, so it's like how did it get made? What were the steps in which green light after green light after? Were there any yellow lights? Were there any red lights? Well, you know, honestly, the the movie that I did a couple summers ago. It's when you see it when it finally comes out. I mean, that was a two million dollar movie. It's the same thing. Like fifty percent of the movie went to the top three actors who have names. 
um, like Cam Cadet and stuff like that, and and Callum Worth. Um, and there was a couple good stunts, but like I've seen it, and there's been a, there's like a couple shots where I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're wondering, it's just, I guess I guess it, you know more about the movie making industry than I do. It's just like. Is it just part of the machine? Like, okay, they have a nut that they have to make every year in order to stay afloat as a production company, and they get these scripts, and they just they 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 get money from several sources, and then in, in the hopes, like, we're gonna throw spaghetti at the wall, and if it's if it sticks, it sticks; if it dies, it dies. Okay, so the barrier to entry has come way down on this stuff, and and there, generally speaking, are two two kinds of movies that are made now. There's the under five million that are made primarily to go to streaming services. You know, it used to be used to say straight to video type. It's thing. just that there's a venue that needs content. Think about it: Hulu, Amazon Prime, and because we saw this, this was an Amazon Prime movie. That oh we God, watched. yeah, like Netflix. You can if you scroll down far enough, you'll see bottom of the barrel like. Bargain bin DVD quality right. movies. But it's also sometimes you see these things pop up at Redbox if they get the right distribution. Um, the funny thing is, like, f- like there are some actors that just do really well overseas, and they might get a theatrical release in, like, seriously, like Turkey or Spain or Greece or something. So, so the the, the movie model has gone to you got to make the hundred to $200 million movies, like at the AMC down the street, there's 14 screens. There's like only five or six movies in there at one time because they're playing two or three theaters or, or two or three screens. But 90% of the movies at the AMCs and the big chains are the $100 million, you have to go see this in the movie theater type experience. You know, you need the big sound and the big... And so... You have those movies, or then you have the under five, like the the middle of the road, the twenty five. Much like the middle ones. class, they've been ignored. They, they, well, there's not as big a market for it. Like it's, you know. Well, you have like Lifetime movies and movies of the week, like Hallmark. They put a Hallmark movie channel. I have a buddy who he does four or five of those a year. I saw a promo that said, or an article that said Hallmark movie channel was going to produce. 35 Christmas movies this year? Like, in the okay. year. So, I have one buddy, and this is all he does. Lifetime movies. Lifetime does 150 made-for-lifetime movies a year. And it sounds like a lot, and it is. But that's like 300 hours of content. You take the networks like CBS, NBC, like, their prime time, they're, they're producing content from, like, 8 to 11 every night. So, they're producing... You know, three hours a night. It's twenty-one hours, hours right? 25, Twenty-four hours, and Lifetime doesn't have sitcoms. You know, they or don't. Live, ha- they don't, they don't have, have the reality shows. Yeah. They don't have. So you take or, or like you know sports or anything, right? So this is their content, and they and they structure it, and the and they have a they have a, a an algorithm like anything else. It's like you need a one lifetime star, and a lifetime star is a second tier character off an 80 sitcom. Oh god, yeah, and I, I, my wife watches Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, which is the offshoot of Hallmark Movie Channel, and Laurie Laughlin who played um the the aunt Becky on Fuller on Full House. She's like, you know, has something called the Garage Sale Mysteries. Um Ro- Holly Robinson Pete has a new thing. Right. And it's all these mystery s- stories that are it's it's basically murder she wrote. But instead of her being the main character being an author, they run some sort of like 
kind of hobby store or they do something that like appeals to a certain demographic of people. I'm not going to say which gender, but they... Um, 10% of the other? <laughs> <laughs> it's more like 20 now. Um, they're, um, yeah, it's just funny that, yeah, they, they, but you're right. They have like, the there was a woman, a girl who played like the brother of Corky from Life Goes On. Um, Kelly Martin has her own series of... That's a star. And so if you get one of those... And they're doing these for around three to four hundred thousand. Yes. And what ends up happening is lifetime. Uh, they don't pay you up front to do it, but they green line say, "Okay, we approve this script. We approve this. These they don't approve the actors all the way down. Just we want to know who the two or three quote unquote bankable in their world, and they give you one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand upon delivering it. But and they'll take the U.S. rights for a year." And then you can sell it back to them, or you can sell it then to a Netflix or an Amazon, but the, you can also sell it to other territories. So most of the people who I know, and like I said, I have one buddy who does this who I'm really close with, and I have another friend, the guy who directed the movie that I did. Um, doing a $2 million movie was huge in his world because he does three or four, four or five of these three hundred dollars to $400,000 movies a year, and it's the same thing. And so you'll break even year one on this movie. And then the next year, you know, you'll sell it back to Lifetime if they want to do a second, you know, a second year running of it. You know, for half the money over the life of these three to four hundred, you know, thousand dollar ones, you'll make quarter million to a million over like a shelf life of five years on it. So it's a volume thing. So same thing. The Shark Lake was a little more than that. Probably this is probably a two million dollar budget, but. The reason I wanted to talk about this, and I got off track, <laughs> so, we're, we're, so we're driving to Six Flags oh the next God, morning. Oh, God, Six Flags. That's right. We were going to Six Flags. We're driving the next morning to Six Flags, and we we management, her friend, you know, the boys in the car, and we fell down the Dolph Lundgren rabbit hole. Wow. I think I know what you're talking about. Kindergarten Cop 2? We start reading about the guy. Oh, like his actual Holy oeuvre. shit. Or just like his, his Wikipedia entry. Fascinating. Yeah. Uh, so, he, uh, no, you, I couldn't, maybe you could imagine you have a more vivid imagination. <laughs> he has a couple doctorate degrees in like quantum physics or something oh, crazy wow. like that. Yeah. He was on a scholarship at MIT when his then girlfriend, Grace Slick, said, no, you should come to New York and be an actor. And his first acting role was acting, I think he was her bodyguard in View to a Kill. Like, he drops out of MIT because Grace Slick says, yeah, I want you to come do movies with me. Which is the right move if you're dating Grace Slick. Hell yes. And seriously, it's one of those things that's like, I, look, Ashton Kutcher, same thing. He got an offer to like an NCAA, you know, Division One wrestling scholarships from several schools he was like you know one of these just phenom like you know high school wrestlers um is he from nebraska probably some somewhere like Midwest, that uh, yeah and and honestly his ticket to go to any school anywhere he ended up going to another school because the same thing it's like it's some i forget what degree he has in like chemical engineering or something like that where you know so when you you know he always plays the same character but he's really a brilliant guy who, you know, was a phenomenal athlete, but chose to go the academic crew. It's kind of like that episode of Star Trek where the civilized Kirk had to play the barbarian. And then at the end, 
they he just he divulges how the barbarian could never play the civilized person, and that's sort of like what Ashton Kutcher does. Like he can right. play dumb because he ain't dumb. Uh, Unlike Tony Danza, who yeah, you know. <laughs> no, it's funny because I remember one time it's like you know my cousin, you know the actor Jimmy, who you know he was doing a, a, a skit with Growlings, and he was really a bad dancer, and like you know management had said. Only somebody who's been professionally trained, who's an amazing dancer, could dance that bad. Like, like you know, in the skit. And then he progressively got better. Well, it's like when Jean Stapleton from um, All in the Family, like she sang, And you knew where you were? Yes. She was an opera-trained singer. Like, she could really sing. Um, But uh, back to where Ashton Kutcher was born, Iowa. Iowa. Um, so, so it, it is, it's one of those amazing things when you find out that Dolph Lundgren, cause he's known for, I'll break you. Yeah. I, I, I and mean, that's it. That's it. You know, uh, never competed as a bodybuilder, you know, but people mistakenly. Because, There's no competition. That's why. <laughs> oh my God. I love you. Like literally, seriously, Joseph, oh, love God, you. Um, but yeah. And then you find out it's like. You know, okay, so of course he speaks Swedish and English, but then it's like German and French, of course, because most of the people in that region, and then like Japanese and a couple of languages. One one of the harder languages to pick up as an adult. Right. It's not like, okay, the Romance language is all based off roots of of Latin. Latin, You know what I mean? It's like, okay, you can pick French and English or Spanish Spanish and Italian. Portuguese. Different, but in the same thing. Yes. Shout out to Portugal. The Uh, one shout out to Portugal I'll ever give on Carnival (laughs) Pasta. But but yeah, we start reading this and like, holy shit. And then, like, how old do you think the dude is? Uh, I'm going to wager that if he was in his 20s and 85 when that came out, yeah, I'm going to say he's like mid-50s. He's 61. Whoa. And seriously, in this movie, he's still jacked up, still looks great, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's funny, it's like we start like reading that, it's like, holy crap. Yeah. Like, he's he's amazing. Speaking of Ashton Kutcher, um, 20th anniversary of a certain 70s show. Call that 70s show. Um, Dude, wow. it's, it's, it's crazy 20 to think years. about. 20 years ago. So I remember, you know, Danny... Um, you know, my friend Danny Masterson was doing. Oh my God, my floor! Stop my it, my poor floor! I just you... dropped the name. But Danny was doing Sybil. He was did the last two seasons of that. And, Sybil Shepherd sitcom. Yeah, and it was funny because that show wrapped the last episode, and it was like three days later in hockey. He's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going in. I'm doing a pilot for this show." And at the time, it was called "The Kids Are All Right." Um, Dude, that was so much fun. It's like, I, for honestly, like when management first got out there, they were in like season two or season three. And every single Friday for the entire time we were out there, you know, we we were at every taping. It was way too much fun because we got to meet, like, it was always stunt casting of, you know, Marion Ross and stuff like that and, and Mary Tyler Moore and all these. I remember all stars. the tapings I was invited to when I was living out there. Oh, wait. Was, was the show going when you were out <laughs> yes. there? Yes. Then why didn't you go? I think because I had a, a... Oh, that's right. I was having uh, my first child. Yeah, see? 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 Priorities. Just, dummy. Fuck that. Yeah. yeah exactly. What was I? Stupid or oh. something? But so, anyways. So no. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I can't believe it's been 20 years. It's like that's... And it's so um, like... I listened to... Old. Uh, I listened to Mila Kunis. Um, first of all, I've heard, I'd heard her being interviewed by Howard Stern a couple of years ago. Fascinating. But then I heard her again on, on What the Fuck, the WTF podcast with Mar- Mark Marin. We went, they went over a couple of the same things that I heard in the Stern interview, but she's like a fascinating, like really smart, like got her shit together, 
like admirable person. Like somebody like that I would like to be when I grow No, up. she she's always been really smart. In the first couple seasons, so like they shot at the Radford lot in um in Studio City, California. And the dressing rooms, you know, were like it almost looked like um like two floor bungalows. Everybody's room was on the second floor except hers on the first floor, and she had to have her chaperone. She couldn't go upstairs and hang out with the rest of the crew. She was like 14 or she something. She was 14, 15. And she faked her age or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Because they thought she was 16, 17. Yeah. Um, she had the, she's had the same manager since. Like, she, that's, her manager today is the same manager she had 20 years ago. And apparently, like, this manager did a, female manager did a very good job of, shielding her from that me too kind of bullshit um you know whenever she would see like an inkling of something like that happening where somebody creepy would kind of move in a little bit too close to mila she'd be like get the fuck out of here and don't you ever fucking come back like that kind of level the set was everybody on the set was really close and they literally like looked out for her you know but you know and the first few years she they would all party she was never there for you know all the party but as you know, if you go to YouTube and you put it in, in the crease TV, <laughs> Ash, Ashton. Wait, 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 wait. Before I have to edit anything out of this, are certain things? Yes, I took it out. Thank you. I didn't. I yeah. I thought you might have checked, but no, I did that no. day. I went home. Okay. Yes, there are certain skits that, <laughs> in retrospect, the the Joe, you're you're a little more squeamish on on our uh, riskier material. Mm-hmm. Don't blame you. you know? yeah. None of it in good taste. No. Nope. Um, and I'm looking out for you, too, because there's another certain sketch up there that maybe you want to take down. There's something that has to do with... Um, an aerosol spray? Yes. Nope, it stays. I'm good with it. The entire thing? Entire thing. Even with the... Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. No, that's, just, that's comedy. Oh, it, right. It, it's like, just because I'm not a Jew doesn't mean I can't make fun of the Nazis. And wear a swastika. <laughs> <laughs> in a parody, like if, if like, I know. like if I got if you got cast in a movie and you had to play a Nazi, would you say no? I can't do it because dude, I had to. Does I drew the literal not the swastika that you the, the armband that you wore? And uh, I can't believe I'm talking about this. <laughs> I felt like sick doing it. Like on, I had like MS Paint. It was like the shittiest, you know, thing. It's just a fucking. It's well, not. A, how much did we have for the budget? Exactly. But like, I drew it, and as I'm drawing, I'm like, "Am I doing this? Like, but, am I, I going to get but, arrested by Germany? By but doing it's an this? awful product, making making fun of awful people, and so that's why it's in context. It's funny. I get it. You know, I get it. I think it's funny, right? You know, um, we live in this mixed company world. We, now, we should. We should. We, you know. You know. But that's the thing. It's like, are. are are you gonna go back and, and, and like you know, like I said, like re-edit, like you know, Back to the Future because he's peeping in to his mom, like you know, I mean, his no, dad's peeping, peeping or his mom's trying to make out with him. I mean, do you right. re-edit re into the nerds? Yeah, right. I mean, right. There's a lot of awful stuff. I was part of you know doing awful, <laughs> but like comedy gets dated, I know. you know, and it's like one of those things where, anyways, but <laughs> me. Joe and I did a, did a comedy show called In the Crease TV, and there's a lot of skits up there. Um, I've been asking for two years if you can 
you know get around to dubbing get them all to, their, uh, to digitizing them but uh but there is we did one episode and a bunch of the guys from that 70s show did promos for us and one of the fun promos is mila sitting on ashton's lap talking about how great the show is and you should watch it and then ashton moves mila a little to the side and he pokes her head around and said i don't think the show's that good at all but Jacques said mila would sit on my lap if i did a promo right and then like mila looks like really surprised you know? she was she had no idea that, that wasn't was the line that was 98 99 that was first second season of that 70s show so she was yeah like they were they were both like kids i mean ashen's my age he's 40 um so yeah mila is what young like 36 or something now 30 whatever um yeah she was a young kid and i don't know it's just uh, it's it's odd yeah it's weird and it's i don't know we're kind of rambling here because what i'm trying to do folks is stall jacques from talking about another christmas in august which was of course the um, Michael Cohen story and the Paul Manafort story. Okay, we'll get into that. Because, um, we, you know, we, we're, we're about 28 minutes in. Okay, uh, I'll just finish off because it's on the list. Six Flags is such a dump. All right, well, what about Six Flags? Such a dump, dude. It smells like garbage. I was, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this book that you gave me, and then you gave me the book. A couple of days ago, I was thinking, wow, I've never been to, like, Six Flags before, and I went. And Jacques probably been there like a thousand times, not knowing you've gone. And then lo and behold, you go this week. No, well, I should. I'm a snob because we've been to theme parks around the world. Well, yeah, you've been to Disneyland and Disney and uh, uh, Universal Studios every day for years. Seriously, and you can't once if that's your starting point. Like, like you, everything's a step down now. It's funny because most people who go there, it's the greatest day of their life. And it is. It's amazing. Some of the rides you have there, um, unlike Disney Disney and Universal, they have some cool rides, but nothing like Six Flags. Their new ride, like if you look it up, the Harley Quinn, I have anxiety just looking at it. It's just absolutely amazing work of um, of engineering. Yep. Um, Probably German. But but it uh, but it is it 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 was a fun day and the boys like it. Um, it's not holding up well. It it just doesn't have like I said. It's like when you are at a ride at Disney or Universal. Once you enter like the the staging area, it, it transports you to that world. Whether it's you know Despicable Me or whether you are immersed in the world, like sound, sight, like once the door shuts behind you, you walk into that realm. And and there's no, you know, you can't you three sixty, you know, degree around, up, down, you are immersed in the world. You know, this it, it's like you can see around the backdrop. You know what yeah, I mean? You yeah. can you can see there's a guy smoking in the corner. Yeah, you can <laughs> see the boom mic in every shot, sort of <laughs> speak. So the boys like it and, and management's friend really liked it because she hadn't been there in like twenty years. It's cheap. Isn't it, and it's all Warner Brothers property. It is. So, that, so again, that's fun. Again, DC getting the short end of the stick. True. And because uh, they were late to the dance with that, you know. Um, well, they were, they actually were with, partnered with Six Flags long before Marvel partnered with Disney, but it's Disney. Yeah, right. <laughs> when know? Disney partners with something, it's it, it, it gets partnered. Yeah. So, so but, it, but it was fun. Okay. <sighs> uh, enough fun talk. Now, now you know it's not awful this week. It's been an it's been a pretty good week. It's pretty up. Now they 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 decided okay, we made all these mistakes. Hillary's president. Everything's moving in the right direction. <laughs> right? That no? no, no, no. But but good stuff did happen. Good stuff did happen. Michael Cohen basically implicated the president in a federal crime. In open court, 
no bones about it, no hesitation in answering the questions, flat out. You broke my heart, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and there's Michael yelling, I'm smart! <laughs> <laughs> it's not like everybody says. <laughs> everybody says. When everybody says. Right. You know, Everybody's saying, <laughs> everybody saying how smart Michael Cohen is. And that my favorite part about it is... When they play back-to-back, just like four or five months ago, he's a great guy, he's a great lawyer, and and let's backtrack even a little bit. I only hire the best people. How many of these best people are now in jail? Everything he says is a lie. Everything. 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 I don't even know—and his name. His name is a lie. His name—if you listen to the John Oliver thing when he was running for president, and they discovered that his name was actually—his family name is Drumpf. Right. D-R, you know, U-M-P-H or whatever the hell. So, like, everything about literally his hair, his skin tone, his words, his name, his his probable assets, all of it. It's all it's all It's all fucking lies. lying. But it's just, and people are buying it. Like, so, he is P.T. Barnum oh, running the country. And the thing is, he brags about being P.T. Barnum. He, look, when somebody tells you who they are over and over, sooner or later, you have to believe them. Like, he's made no bones about being a carnival barker forever. It's all been smoke and mirrors, all bragging about, you know, making money when he goes bankrupt. It's like, yeah, I go bankrupt all the time, but I make money, and other people lose money, but I make money because I'm smarter than they are. Right, and that's why, and that's how, you know, taking that huge loss 30 years ago, I don't have to pay taxes for 30 years, and that makes me smart. Right. And um, Was it 30 years? It was. Yeah. It was sort of something. It, yeah. But he, uh, but yeah, so Michael Cohen completely... You know what? Pled guilty to six. Like he was charged with twenty things. Was it eight counts? And and he charged. No, that um, that's Manafort. That's Manafort. But but Cohen and he. So here's the great thing. So in the morning on Tuesday, Cohen uh, or Manafort's verdicts come in, and it was he was he was charged with eighteen counts. Eight of them he was found guilty. Ten of them he was. It was a mistrial on now. The jury foreman did something that judges do not want you to do, that tell you not to do, and you are not supposed to do. Under the line that said, do not write below this line, the foreman wrote, okay. Wrote, <laughs> wrote flat out that in all 10 charges, it was 11 to 1. And the reason they don't want you to know what the count is, they don't want the prosecutors to say, oh, it's you know it's worth we're going to retry him on these because he wasn't found it wasn't a unanimous. he wasn't found no he wasn't oh. found innocent oh. he wasn't acquitted of those mm. it was a hung jury oh, right, right, right. which means they have the now, now the prosecutors can say okay we got eight guilty things on this we can go back and and retry those ten at the same time the defense people can make the decision it's like if it was. If it was seven to five or six to six or, or in their favor, they can say, look, we want, you know, we want to appeal these eight verdicts, blah, 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 or they can appeal it. But the way it came out by by that jury foreman putting that out there publicly, now the prosecutors can say, OK, we were on the right track. It was one bad egg because the other 11 people and now a couple of them have even gone on the MSNBCs, and there was one woman today who was like an unapologetic Trump supporter. She still supports Trump. She disconnects between anything to do with Russia and this or Trump and this. These are – and she says, look, I looked at just the cases, and this is everything he did. They said they did. 
he did. And I'm disappointed that the president would hire somebody, but I don't think it's his fault. You know, it's a Trump supporter, but she flat out said, yes, he did it. Eleven of us in the room for four days were like, you're a moron. <laughs> like, this is evident. I know you like Trump, but th- it's overwhelming, she was saying. So he was found. So eight of the 10 or eight of the 18, he was found guilty on the other 10. Now the prosecutors can say, we want to retry him. And they have pretty good grounds to do it on the other hand now the defense people might be able to say or are more likely to say we better cut a deal we got found guilty on these they were pretty damn close to finding guilty on everything we better cut a case but before that happens um the new york case you know is going to start within the next i think a month but but hours after that came out or was it hours or an hour who knows an hour is like a day now and then nobody it's true but nobody it wasn't like it was teased in the news nobody knew that michael cohen was going to show up in court on tuesday and and plead guilty to all these things he cut a deal he flipped and he knows how to make deals that guy he really does uh and the thing is we're all becoming lawyers you know um (laughs) we 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 know too much about this and though and since Anybody can become president. Maybe anybody can become a lawyer, too, in the future. Anybody but this guy, Nick, from hockey, and everybody who's <laughs> listening to Afro Nature is now laughing, um, although Nick thinks he is a lawyer. But the interesting thing is Cohen can't, or nobody can just go in and say, I'm guilty. You, The prosecutor still has to meet the burden of proof, and they have to be able to go to the judge and say, this is the overwhelming evidence. His counsel saw the evidence. He saw the evidence. He knows the evidence. He He's given us the phone calls and all this stuff. Unless you're a black guy who signs a confession. Well, yeah, a, a small kid in a, in a room without any um, representation. representation and being scared shitless and yep, not being yeah. fed for 12 yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah, that you don't need to meet any burden of proof. Right, but, you know, <laughs> we digress. But, so Cohen and the prosecutors had to... They couldn't just make a deal, and he's going to do jail time. He doesn't get out of not doing jail time. The difference is he's facing up to five years versus facing up to 50 years or whatever. And, you know. But these are federal charges. These are federal charges. Which the president can. But he won't won't now because because now he implicated him Mm. in this. And, And the president has not flat out said, but he went on Fox and Friends, you know, a couple days ago and floated out the uh, the pardon for Manafort because he's a good guy. He hasn't, and now he is. He's openly talking like a crime boss, saying, you know, I know what flipping is. I've been, you know, thirty years of doing this. Like, you know, people that cut a better deal to give them a bigger fish, so they flip on this stuff. And I, I don't think flipping should be legal. I like how you say like a crime boss. Yeah, thank you, thank you for the correction. Yeah, and that's the truth. But, and what, what actually I learned that it this week that truth is isn't truth, right? Isn't that what we learned today, boys and girls? We did so or last week, boys and girls. So here's what I love <laughs> is is out of all this, my favorite soundbite of the week. Here's Rudy Giuliani sitting in a golf cart at the Trump Hotel um golf course a, a, in Scotland, yep. wearing a Trump hat. You know, for, for the branded hat from the golf course and a branded jacket, you know, talking about like oh, how impartial he is and that this and this. And it's like he's like Mayor Quimby. Like, you he know, really he, is. where he wears like the fur coat that has like the, t- you know, the, the tag on it when people are asking him like where all that extra money came from. <laughs> and it's just hilarious. And the foreign press is they, they don't hold back and they're like. 
does this mean this is is this more likely that he's going to get indicted or he's going to be impeached? It's like that's crazy talk. He's done nothing wrong, which he has been given an A plus for his, his administration, an A plus plus. Wow, by the Better Business Bureau? No, by himself. Oh, okay. <laughs> Again, on Fox and Friends, uh, flat I'd give, out. I'd give myself an A+. Plus. He did. And, and he's like, if I got to peach the economy, you, you'd see numbers that you can't even imagine, and it'd be awful, and everybody be poor. Like, he flat out said, I say like one more time, punch me in the face. Uh-huh. <laughs> Please. Uh, but, so, so... So Manafort uh, hasn't flipped on him yet, but has been convicted on a, a bunch of charges. Don't forget Manafort's tied with Putin. Oh, he it's there's he, so many little like he it's kind of like he has the should I flip and you know Well the talk is you know he can't flip because if he flips on Blotus, he's flipping on these oligarchs yes. and it he's more and worried about flipping on the oligarchs. Yeah, cuz he will die. He will die. Uh, you know, so he is—he's between a rock and a hard place, and fuck him and fuck him harder. Right. Good. So, Cohen, Manafort, and then um, what? What is the guy's name? Pecker. Yeah, at two Esquire, at two Pecker. First of all, the guy's name is Pecker. What is his uh, title? He's CEO of the conglomerate that owns Esquire um, um, Inquirer magazine. Okay. And for decades. He's been a Trump proponent, supporter, however you say it. Like, they're buddies, and it's like Trump breaks up with somebody, and that person gets smeared all over the news and all this. And it, 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 it's awesome. On the news yesterday, maybe, oh, well, we're talking about it because he had just made a plea deal. So he's got immunity, and you don't just give immunity unless there's a reason to get immunity. So he is giving dirt on his 40-year pal to get out of jail time himself, and they did a great montage of the Esquire uh, – Esquire. Inquire. Uh, Inquire Magazine or Inquire Magazine's covers the last six months of the election, and every single one had – the aged Hillary, like honestly, fifty years, and either added a hundred pounds to her or took a hundred pounds out, and it's like, you know, Hillary caught up in a lesbian sex ring, and Bill dying of this, and by the way, Trump is the greatest person ever. You know, there was a first for six months, but anyways, uh, just in the last twenty four hours, it came out. Have you seen the MSNBC screen grab of the story of Pecker? No. I oh, yeah, I yes. think I think it's real. No, what it is before you show me because a couple people like the New York Daily News has done this. It's like the Enquirer came out today, and the the only there's no story about Trump or about Pecker, you know, flipping, which is the most Enquirer type story because allegedly there was a safe that he kept all these stories in for like like the oh, the, yeah. the Playboy model. They bought her story for $150,000, and that's part of Michael Cohen. And they Cohen's buried it. it, it it's, a catch it it's a catch and kill type thing. Yeah. But all those stories and those NDAs for buying those stories on Trump and other people have been kept in this guy's safe. Oh, no. This is a Chiron on MSNBC. Read it out loud. Trump worried about Pecker leaking. I hope that's real. <laughs> I so hope that's real. It's hard not to... Have a junior high take on this when the guy's name is Pecker. You you run an empire built on destroying and mocking people. Mm-hmm. 
you think it would change its name? Let me double check. Um, real quick on Snopes, I'm pulling up whether that's real or not, and I'm probably... It's false. Damn it. Oh, damn. But... Great line. So also, in the past 24 hours, um, the CEO of the Trump... Whatever it is, uh, uh, the, the the executor of the Trump family fund or the, right, tr- the Trump, trustee or something. Right. He's got immunity, too. Oh. So the walls are closing in. And so as we record this on a Friday, I think it was Wednesday night at like 1.30 in the morning, all capital letters, no collusion, witch hunt. It was like one fifteen in the morning, right? Yeah. yeah, completely stable person, stable genius, stable, uh, stable, an innocent. That right. th- those are the rantings of a completely innocent man, innocent, uh, virile, young-looking dude, thin. It- so 175 pound. What, what was his weight? 200 or something like that? Or something. He, he, he was like technically one pound away from being obese. Right. And and we know it's like, okay, we're both feet on the scale when he weighed in here. Mm-hmm. You know, that's That was the other meme a couple of weeks ago with all the white supremacists out there with the side-by-side thing. There was a great picture of him leaning over, getting his golf ball like out of a ditch next to LeBron flipping the tire. It's like, just to be clear, the white supremacists think this guy... Is 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 genetically superior? Genetically superior, you know. Oh man, but uh, but yeah, it's been a interesting week for this side. I mean, still, yeah. I think in twenty twenty, um, he's gonna get reelected. I, he's either in jail or reelected. He's gonna get reelected. You know, because we, I mean, there are just two. It's overwhelmingly obvious how stupid and corrupt this country is, as far as. Elections go as far as who, who the electorate okay. is. So the House, so Michael Cohen flips and testifies. Manafort gets convicted. Um, They'll forget about that in three months. Peck, Pecker. You Who's know, Pecker? Pecker, the, the CEO of the Trump Foundation. And today they've had enough. And I'm not kidding. The, 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 Senate Judiciary Committee, I can't say that word right, apologize. Judiciary Committee had a hearing today. Oh, about uh, Donald Trump? Hillary's email. Oh, right. And I wish, and I, I, I said this three weeks ago, and it sounds like I'm joking. No, if you look up the meeting minutes of what they did today, they had a meeting on Hillary's email. You, all these things have come out. Cohen flat out said this. And, and of course, Blotus goes off on sessions on TV. National TV saying he would have never given it to him. What kind of man would recuse himself? He's blaming Session 100% for this. And he forgets in Session's confirmation hearing, he was asked, like, you got these ties to Russia that you said you didn't have. If there's an investigation, would you recuse himself? And he said, yes. So when Blotus says, oh, I, if I knew he was going to recuse himself, I, dude, it was – in the hearings, did you not? <laughs> no one told you about these hearings that they had on the Senate. I mean, do you not get C-SPAN? I wasn't listening to the hearings. But, but so it's interesting. But again, this week the White House killed a bill to fund uh, um, election. Um, oh, um, reform? No, not election reform. Um, safety procedures. Oh, like okay. they, they, they're not funding. They, they know it's they're being hacked. Yeah. They know. And again. All these indictments and all this, the only person in jail... Hey, a win's a win. The only person in jail is reality winner for 
putting it out there a year ago. They got into the voting machines. Everybody's telling you they didn't. And a year later, we found out, yes, in 21 states, he tried to get in the voting machines. He got into seven or eight. And here's reality winner, the only person in jail. Uh, she's been in jail for about six months. She got sentenced to five years this year for being a whistleblower, for, for telling us, yes, they got into the machines. <sighs> but anyways. Oh, I... But, you know, is it funny? Last week when we did the show, it was all about Amarosa or a lot about her. She's already cycled out of the news. That's so... Doesn't so, it seem like months ago? And so no, so and so all these other stories that we've talked about this week. Can you remember three months ago? Three? Do you know? Do you know the month? Three months ago? No. <laughs> Let me see. It's it's two thousand and eight. Right. Carry the two. And no, it, but it, but seriously, she was on everything last week, and all the bombshells about him using the N word, and there's going to be more tapes, and she leaked out all the phone calls, and she has two hundred more to leak out, right. like. Completely off the. But this is like right on course with everything that Trump has done with any story. Like as long as he's in the news, it he loves it. Doesn't matter. Is but as soon as there's any sort of heat that comes with the news, then he automatically says something or does something that will flip the news. Although this week was kind of out of out of his control. It was left up to the judicial system <laughs> to bring the news to us this week and to get our minds off of Omarosa. But yeah, well, that's the other thing. If in the short term memory. If he goes a week without a scandal, the week of election, they might not be a blue wave. Like people have forgot about Omarosa. Nobody is talking. I mean, about Trump University. Nobody's mentioned Trump University in two years. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's sad. It, it it is sad. You know, uh, John McCain at this point officially has one foot in the grave and another on a banana peel. And what's you know, and, and we've talked about him, the Maverick, 95% of the time he's been a douche, but there have been those moments. And what I love, and they kept playing it in the news today, because it was just announced today, he's taking himself off treatment. He's not going to forego any more treatment. He's, he's, yeah, so he, he honestly, he's... He's, he's got. Accept, he's accepting his. He's got weeks, destiny. maybe day, whatever. But it's coming. But they kept playing a clip from a campaign rally that he was having, running against Barack Obama, and a late. It was a. It was one of those town halls, and a woman says, "I don't trust him because he's an Arab." And this was at the height of the birtherism thing. And if you hear this clip, and John McCain is like, "No, he is a great man. He is a." Great family man. He is a man of principle. He is an American citizen. I differ greatly on policies, and that's what this campaign is about. But no, ma'am, that is false. Like he went out of his way to say to try to squash that birtherism. Thing. What a naive idiot! Right, exactly. No now, wonder he lost. Honestly, who who knew? Who really knew that the race card was such a winner? Yeah, o outside of the deep south. I know. Well, you know. Uh, I mean, McCain, uh, uh, we we're also kind of saying like that in in that context that even if Obama was an Arab, uh, like that's a bad thing. And it's like, no, it, it had nothing to do with whether or not he was being called an Arab It was, and that and being an Arab would have been a bad thing. It's just like, no, that's not even a fact. Like that's not even true. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's why I have to blatantly say like, no, you can't um, believe stuff like that. So, so. Who is the happiest GOP person this week? It's got to be Duncan, Duncan Hunter. Duncan Hunter, yeah. Am I saying the name right? I don't know. He is. He was so the first congressperson to come out and support Blotus when he came down the escalator in June of 2015 uh, was was arrested 
last week on, on all you know all his frauds and, and all his crimes. This week, uh, the second person, the second congressperson who openly supported Trump early, early, early on in his campaign, yeah, he was indicted this week for basically using campaign funds as a piggy bank to take family vacations. And here's what's so sick about this: these fuckers. They have all the emails back and forth. Like they go to Italy, spend fifteen thousand dollars of campaign money, and he's an ex-Marine. He calls one of the days on the trip. He calls the local Navy base, the U.S. Navy base, and says, "Oh, I want to come take a tour to justify the trip, saying, oh, I was going to meet the troops and all this.'" And they're like, "No, we can't do it. We have drills or whatever today." And he went on a "fuck the Navy, fuck them" type thing. Dude, you, you, you know, they're the bad guys because they can't make you be able to write this off anyways other things like he's on a trip and he needs new clothes and he goes to the golf store at the resort and in an email back and forth his wife says just just list this as golf balls for the wounded warriors that you were buying <laughs> no that you were buying gifts for yeah. a tournament yeah. like there was three different times in which is this the pet rabbit guy yes it is the pet rabbit guy six hundred dollars to fly his rabbit on a flight using the campaign money uh but it's there was three different times in which you know and emails back and forth buying something obviously for himself or his wife that they're like oh we're going to write it off to wounded warriors we're going to say it was for this in my country, Duncan runs on America. <laughs> <laughs> so, and here, and he, why is he the happiest guy? He was just indicted. He's not in the, like the top third story. <laughs> no, <on him>. that, <laughs> Nobody knows. He gets indicted on Tuesday, the same day Manafort verdict, the same day Cohen you know, yeah. pleads guilty. So nobody is talking about this. And yet you hear nothing from Paul Ryan. Nothing from Mitch McConnell. The only the only soundbite I heard this week is Lindsey Graham talking about, yeah, after the election, we're going to have to move on from Jeff Sessions, like giving the president the green light to. But that 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 that's been this this fun week and awful. The only well, other, podcast is over. The Sorry, only folks. Last thing I want to. Oh man. So I'm watching. You know, the mom in law is watching the news the other day, and I never watch the news. And and if the boys are in the room, I have to turn it off because it's just. Not that we shield them from anything, but the sensationalism of like, especially national, uh, local news. Oh so there's a story that came out on Thursday that Betsy DeVos is greenlighting the education department to pull funds. And I'm, I wish I could remember the name of the fund. It's like, you know, for the betterment of student reading or something like that, to take funds from that to arm teachers. To actually arm teachers, she greenlighted them taking money. I mean, m my little guy starts school on Tuesday, and we got the list. Here's the supplies you have to bring in. By the way, here's a list of supplies you don't have to bring in, but the classroom desperately needs wet wipes, paper towels, markers. I mean, and of course, how do you not, you know, but we don't have money for you know, for dry erase markers in the classroom, but they're pulling funds away to give to guns. Awful, awful, awful. The very next story, David Hogg, the kid, you know... Um, From Parkland. Parkland. He was in Massachusetts. There's been a march going on that ends tomorrow. It's a 50-mile march, a student march from Worcester to Springfield. I didn't know that Smith & Wesson was based in Springfield. Did you... No, I... 
try not to think of Springfield, Massachusetts <laughs> yes, that much. Exactly. Uh, and if I lived in Springfield, I'd probably want to think less about Springfield, Massachusetts. So, so they're on a 50-mile walk. So here's the news clip, and they're talking to David, and they're talking to some of these other kid organizers doing the march. And then, and then I paused it, and I hit the eight-second rewind button. I watched it again. I called management from the other room. I'm like, tell me if this is the saddest thing you're going to hear on the news. The story before is Betsy DeVos saying we're taking money out of the school education to buy guns for teachers. The next story is these kids doing this march, a 50-mile march from point A to point B, and the news person's like, for safety reasons, we're not divulging the route that the kids are on, but they get to Springfield on Saturday morning. It's like... So, story A, more guns for more people taking money away from the students. Story B is the students are trying to say, hey, let's keep guns out of school. And they know there's going to be nuts out there who want to shoot children for saying, don't shoot me. That sounds, Welcome to America. That sounds like a very lazy episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> like that whole segment right there. Oh, God. So God help us. So you want to go back to talking about uh, uh, Tools and Titans Go? <laughs> Please, yeah. Let's go to Six Flags or Candy Bee Lake or Whalen Park. Or, um, quick quiz. What was the name of the park before Six Flags took over? Riverside. Ah, yes. You win. You win in this Art of Wait, Atari book. This... <laughs> Maybe Riverside is this week's fun spots for the week. Maybe. We'll give you that feeling, the good, happy feeling. Riverside Park, the roller coaster capital of New England, featuring the exciting loop coaster. Take Mass Pike to Exit 6, Springfield, Massachusetts. Now open weekends. Riverside Park. Okay, so as you and I are yapping here, the Patriots are in uh, playing playing the uh, Carolina Panthers game three preseason. Don't care, right? Yes, All Star Tommy, I still don't care. Nobody believes that I still haven't watched a second. I did this week, just in the past day, um, for about ten minutes. Was listening to sports radio, and usually this time of year. It's only about 10 minutes. I'm not listening to sports radio in the day, and that's because I'm sleeping. But um, the funny thing is, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good about not paying attention. The Patriots have no wide receivers. None. Like they Hogan is their only wide receiver. Like the people that they drafted so and they the have people, one wide receiver. They have a few, but like literally only one that Brady has a relationship with. You know, Edelman's not going to be there for four games. We got rid of the thing is the Patriots knew Edelman was going to be out for the first four games, and they still let Amendola go for nothing. Truly, his big payday is like twice what the Patriots were paying, which was almost league minimum. And this is a guy who he caught like in the Super Bowl that they won against Atlanta. He was the guy who scored two two point conversions. I mean, that alone, you know, you, you owe him the paycheck. Um, anyway, so either way, and then Edelman got hurt last season. Edelman hasn't played football in regular season in a regular season, and over. 14 months now? Something mm. something crazy. I mean, by the time he comes was back... Was Donald Trump president when he last played? Sadly, he was. But the, yeah, the Super Bowl against Atlanta, 
and then he got hurt like early in the season. Yeah. So he's been gone the whole time. So you so they've made all these crazy decisions. And now Brady restructures contract and people couldn't understand what the holdup is. Then they find out the story broke today. Alex Guerrero is back on the Patriot plane when they travel. Uh-huh. He can't be on the sideline, but they've reinstated his Gillette um his Gillette privileges. Yep. And he can run TB12 out of Gillette, and he can travel with the team. He Guerrero can't be on the sideline. his side personal line. trainer. For, his, his guru, his brainwasher. Right, right, right. His, his personal... Um, Jesus. His, yeah, yeah, exactly. I was going to go with walking version of Scientology. I just wanted to drop a Depeche Mode line. Hey, if you're going to drop a Depeche Mode line, that'd be the one to drop. Is that right? Personal Jesus? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm cool. I'm hip. Yes, I'm, you are. I'm with it in 1984. <laughs> So I'm not. It's like I have no idea. I truly do not know how they did in game one, game two. It's preseason. Why would it matter? Which it would matter to me a great deal a year ago. So no, it's funny how you flipped. I flip flipping shouldn't be legal. Maybe maybe it shouldn't be legal according to Blotus. So. Oh jeez. You know what? You know what's funny though is that I did see a blurb. I don't follow much about sport, but I do see um certain stories pop up, and I noticed that the Eagles lost their third preseason game um, to a team that isn't used to winning a lot of games, preseason or regular season. Talking about the Cleveland Browns. The score, 5-0. to zero. They were playing football, by the way. So I'm just giving you a heads up that the Browns beat the uh, Eagles in preseason, asterisk. I am not sure. 5 to nothing. We can look this up. Biff probably knows and is already texting me. This won't post for another 48 hours. Um the year that Cleveland went 1 and 15 or the following year they went 0 and 16. Think about that. They went 1 and 31. But one of those two years they were 4 and 0 in preseason. <laughs> like and, and the same thing. It's like, you know, there's been years that the Patriots have won the Super Bowl or made it to the Super Bowl and were 1 and 3 or 0 and 4. I mean, it depends how you look at preseason. Yep. Yeah, right. Exactly, and it's it's more yeah, it's more about the the minutia of the games and the, the you know which players are going to make the cut. But well, that's it. You know, that's it, essentially it. And and Belichick has had the luxury because the division they are in are in such dog shit. He's had the luxury where he uses September as his preseason. He really does. And you look the the, the amazing thing, uh, Belichick's record <clears throat> and Brady's record in December. Like overall, w- between the two of them, their their record, they have like a seven fifty, almost almost eight hundred winning percentage. Their winning percentage in November and December is close to nine hundred. It is crazy how much better they play in November, December, uh, and he does. He looks at September as okay. That's a real preseason. That's where we really work out the kinks. You know, if we can get out of this two and two, we're fine. You know, uh, three and one, great. But their last, hey, their last season in September, what they went three and one, three and one with with Brady on the sideline. Yeah, so, yeah. um, anyways, that's it for sport because I really, I, I'll pay attention after the fourth game, like you know, a little bit. Okay. I'll read up about it, but I don't have as, as much enthusiasm because honestly, the draft picks, they their first round draft pick is a guy who's a running back, and and I don't think you need to burn first round draft picks with running backs. Knee problems all through college. Hey, guess who's uh, been sidelined most of camp with the knee problems? Like, who could have seen this coming other than everyone? <laughs> like, like if he was that great, he wouldn't have fallen to the 31st pick. 
yeah. you know, in the first round. So they didn't. They didn't go out and, you know, they didn't bring in any big wide receivers. They, you know, Edelman's out again. So the, you got Gronk and you got Hogan and hopefully, you know, the Houston Texans and the teams they play the first four weeks, you know, are crappy. Um, but that's that's it. I, I, do you got anything on sport? You've been following cricket? Not yet. Okay, good, good. So what does that bring us to, Joe? I guess it means that it's time for this random video game review of the week. Brought to you by Art of Atari, the book oh. that Jacques got me for, <laughs> for my... This is actually... I'm going to consider this a pre-birth... I'm going to consider this a birthday gift because this week is my birthday. Yeah, well, I, you know... I have a birthday. Not that anybody should get me anything. Do you have Atari games? I do. They're uh, in that little corner in the left there. It's like a, it's like a little shelf down. That, that's all Atari. All right. Oh, no. We're gonna pull an Atari game out. In, oh, oh, no, whatever, doesn't matter. I don't. I'm not gonna know which one you pulled out because I do not look at that corner that much. Just uh, grab any any old any old anything in this shelf here. Anything that includes the chiclets but not the erasers. He's going with something that I think will have great artwork. Okay. All right. So you blow it on the cartridge, and I'm not even going to guess. Berserk! Wow, yes. Um, this is a very fun arcade game, and a, apparently a good Atari game. I have played it a little bit. It's um, it's a classic arcade game. It does have pretty boss artwork. Uh, it's from 19... This game is, uh, yeah, 1980. Um, 1980 in the arcades, and 82, I think, on... Um, Atari 2600. You play a guy who's like a space ranger or something, and he's you have to go room to room shooting alien robots that are attacking you, and then you know collecting like the key to get to the next room or something like that. But it's very fast paced. Um, it's a very high energy. You know, you get, it's all about getting the high score. That's really all these games are about is getting the high score. Uh, I was speaking of. Um, presence and games and stuff. I was tempted. I'm going to tell you my intention, but then I realized that you don't, you're you're a minimalist and you don't like things. I was tempted to get you except boobs. Right, exactly. No minimalization there. That's a maximist things. Um and I had some like kind of like rewards money from Best Buy and I'm like, "Yeah, you know, maybe I'll splurge on something goofy." And I was almost tempted to pick up, but then I I tried to imagine you using it and I'm like, "Nah, he'll like it, the sentiment but not really the application." One of those mini arcades of a Galaga. Oh. Those little standalone ones, like those little, you know, tabletop ones are about like, you know, yay high. They right. were, it was really cool. It's like cool, but then I, I could never, it's the screen is like this, like half the size of your iPhone. And I can't picture you sitting there trying to manipulate that little joystick to. Hello. Yeah. Play, you know, play Galaga for maybe, maybe two lots, minutes. Lots of manipulating of the joystick looking at the phone. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Just not with Gallagher. <laughs> hey oh. But Berserk is a very fun classic game, and I'm sure that it goes for like a dollar on eBay. Or two. Or two. Uh four ninety-eight used. Okay. All right. Well, right. What are the new. chances of finding it new? Oh god, man. It's probably like nine hundred dollars if it was new. Seriously. And this the label I have is pretty worn um for the wear. But it's, uh, you know, hey, you know, maybe we'll play it after the uh, show. All right. Uh, you watch anything this week? 
Um, a lot of goofy YouTube stuff. I'm on vacation from work this week and next. I decided to take two weeks off to do absolutely fucking nothing. Um, no different than when I'm actually getting paid to do things at work. But I'm not... What am I watching? Uh, nothing big on Netflix. My wife is catching up. Um, and she's kind of resigned herself to the fact that now that her job is going to start start up very soon, she's not going to catch up to where she needs to be with the Arrowverse. You know, she, she's balancing between Supergirl and Arrow. And I think she's in like season three or four territory uh, of the Arrowverse. But, you know, what are they up to season seven or eight Yeah, they're now? going into season seven. Yeah, and then I saw also there's a crossover coming up in December. Did you see this? Yeah, there's they've been... Two major crossovers. But this one's supposed to potentially introduce Batwoman as a character. Oh, the one coming up this year. Yeah, the December okay. one. Yeah, there's a, there's a December crossover event, like a three-night, like, mm-hmm. Friday or Sunday night is Flash, Monday night is Arrow, and then Tuesday is Supergirl, and it all kind of makes sense. And I think they're going to introduce Batwoman there. Anyway, uh, what am I watching? My figure. That, that's, a, <laughs> that's about it. Jacques, what do you... Um, spending your quality time looking at. Last night, watched a movie called Big Sick. Oh, yeah. On Amazon Prime. Camille Nanjani. It's great. Yeah. And I guess it's his story. Mm. I guess it's a real, it's it's how he met his wife. Yeah. And, no, I'm not giving anything away that happens in the preview. Um, he's dating a girl. Um, his parent, he's from Pakistan. And his mother is dead set on him marrying a Pakistani girl. And every week he goes to the house and the mother brings over a different single Pakistani woman to, you know, try to pawn her son off on. You know, so he falls in love with this, you know, white girl. Um, She gets upset that, like, the parents are trying to do a French marriage and he doesn't want to tell the parents that he's dating a white girl. And they break up. And just, you know, days later, something like that, she goes to the hospital. She just has the flu, and it turns into her, you know, going into a coma. And he wants to be kind of by her side. Uh, and her parents are like, yeah, we don't want you here. Like, the mom didn't want because the mom's like, yeah, I, you know, she told me all about the breakup and this and that. And I don't know if she wasn't important enough to you then to meet us. Why would you be here? And Ray Marano's her dad. Mm. And he tries to, you know, it's in the same thing. I'm not giving away anything. It's not in the preview. The dad awkwardly, they start talking. He doesn't know how to talk to him. So he's like, so what do you think about 9-11? And he's like, uh, what do you mean? He goes, oh, I've never, you know. And he didn't want to say, be able to talk to a brown person. He didn't know how to say, I didn't know how to talk to a brown person or Muslim about this. He's like, well, you know, I just never got to talk about, you never got to talk about 9-11. And then Camille's like, yeah, it was tragedy. We lost 19 of our best guys. And they're just <laughs> silent. It's like, probably shouldn't make 9-11 jokes with you, right? <laughs> you know? and, and, and it's like the look on the far face. He didn't know. you know. Oh, that's what I want to mention. Maybe backtrack. Amazon Prime. Yeah, big sick Amazon Prime. I got to watch it. I do have Amazon Prime. I do want to say, and I actually texted you about this, I think, over a week ago. When you mentioned it during, I think you mentioned it during our sideshow about Mel Brooks, um, the last laugh. Yes, I finally like I stumbled you did. on. Yeah, I, I was like, but like I stumbled on it, going, oh, this sounds like something Jacques was rambling about that I was <laughs> half paying attention to on one of our podcasts, and it was great. It's the yeah, it's I mean you you've told our audience, but I'll remind them that 
there was this documentary that came out a couple of years ago. It's not really, yeah, I guess it's kind of a documentary, but it's more of like a, a topic-mentary, I don't know what you call it, but it's about survivors of like uh, the, the Holocaust and um, how they dealt with remembering the Holocaust, but then also being able to joke about it and then what, and then the parallel stories of what are the terms in comedy as to like, what has comedy done in dealing with these tragedies, you know, 9-11, the Holocaust, um, you know, just mass tragedies. And when is it okay to, to joke about it? Who's okay to tell the jokes? Um, is it necessarily across the board funny? You know, and uh, it's really interesting because they show clips of, uh, um, you know, Auschwitz jokes to an Auschwitz survivor. And, uh, you know, she finds some of it okay and kind of funny, but then there's other things that she's like, that's not funny. And, and she herself had the funny story where she's getting a physical at Auschwitz and the doctor tells her, it's like, oh, you, I think you have like a curature spine. I forget what it is that she had. And the doctor's like, you know, after the war, you should probably have this looked at. And she's like... After the war, I don't know if I'm going to make it through lunch. <laughs> right, right, right. And they and they joked, and like all the women, like later, were joking about like why would they bother to give us physicals? Yeah, like what 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 is the point of this? The other thing that I thought was interesting was how they how the documentary looked at the movie Life Is Beautiful with Roberto Benigni from '99. Did you see that movie? Because I had. I did not. I, I know s- of it. Yeah, I saw it, and I I I you know it was very touching and moving and stuff, and I I. L- quote unquote liked it um i didn't think it was offensive i didn't think it was on the par of uh jerry lewis's the day the De- laughter died clown leading the kids to the ovens auschwitz movie that was you know funny not many people know shakes clown was a sequel <laughs> uh, but um I'm, I'm not a good person i know you are not you are not but I didn't think it was terrible. Like they, they thought that they, the movie is about um, the father and son go to a concentration camp. They're Italian Jews who are uh, put in a concentration camp, and the father's trying to make it seem like they're not being led to death or or enslavement or encampment. It's more of like this is all part of a big game, like a big, almost like a reality show. It's just like okay. You know, don't worry. Like this is all part of the game. This so this this German soldier is actually like you know hosting the game, and he's kind of playing along. And oh, not, not the the soldier isn't playing along, but his father is making everything that the soldier says that sounds menacing actually twisting it to make it look like oh no, it's really part of a of a game. And then you know, um, you know, it, it obviously gets into the darker issues of concentration camps, but. I didn't think it was like the, like sacrilegious or unfunny or and I don't know it was like it was di- they didn't like it like the American comedians did not like Life Is Beautiful like they were like you know like David Cross had like you know things to say about the sentiment of the movie and um and you not seeing it I, it's, yeah but really at the same time I have things to say about David Cross being in the Alvin. And the chipmunks. You mean the Auschwitz <laughs> of Alvin and the chipmunks? <laughs> the Alvin, yeah, exactly. <laughs> of uh, chipmunk movies? Um, That's actually worse than Auschwitz. I, I, I you know, so. seriously. <laughs> uh, oh, but, you shit. know, but the, yeah, the takeaway from that movie is basically uh, if you're not Jews, you can't make, uh, you know, these jokes, and it's okay that Mel Brooks plays Hitler in everything. Kind of, sort of. Yeah, I mean, it's all like we talk about this all the time is how 
comedy is context. It's all about context. Right. You know, like you and I can't tell Chris Rock jokes. And certainly not if we want to keep our teeth where they are. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we can. Yeah, that's not like a. Free I have a First Amendment right. Right. Yeah, it's our free you speech, know, man. To, to say these things and get the living shit kicked out of me, exactly. and rightfully so. Right. You know, everybody has their rights. I would like to have an out of body experience so that I can kick the shit out of me <laughs> if I use those. You know. Yeah, you gotta tell those jokes. So it was. Check it out. That's on Netflix. Laugh out. Uh, last the last laugh. It was from 2016. It's um, something that I think I'm glad that I stumbled upon, so that I can personally recommend it. Not so much you. Fantastic. Um, parenting tip of the week, Joseph. You, I, you got a family uh, family event coming up Sunday. We do. Aren't you going to Connecticut? No, 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 a week from Saturday. Uh, two weeks from Saturday. Yeah, Right. So in about two weeks, we're going to Retro World Expo, September 8th. So right now, you're not doing anything. No, no, right now, I'm not parenting. And then even then, like, they're driving. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even, yeah, I'm going to be texting the whole time. I don't believe texting me, probably. Yes. Why uh, aren't you here? Uh, so my parenting tip. So there's a balancing act. Um, I don't know if, if our good friend, uh, John... Is listening, but John always has these stories at FNH growing up. How there was a kid who played on all his hockey teams, and his dad always coached. And every year at the award ceremony, his father would tear up when he gave the MVP trophy to my son Tommy. Uh, and every year it was the same thing. And and my son Tommy has become, you know, a running gag with us for twenty five years now. With that in the back of my mind and, and all bad sport parenting, I've never put the boys, pushed the boys into sports. And when I do, I want to take a very hands-off approach. Uh, you know, not not in an uninterested way, but when I take him to jiu-jitsu, I don't stand on the side of the mat yelling things out. When the little guy was playing baseball, I wasn't, you know, he has coaches to tell him what to do. When I was working with him in hockey, it was different. I'm on the ice running the drills and stuff like that. And it was fun. I mean, it was a learn to skate, you know, thing the last the last year that he did. I have no desire to get involved in sports in, in that way. Like, I will buy him all the gear they need. I will drive him everywhere if they want to work on things at the house. But I'm not – I'm very realistic about their aptitude for sports. Like, they're not driven. They're not uber competitive in this. It's not their thing. So I'm not going to force it on them. I want them to be healthy and active and and be able to, you know, at, at recess, be able to play kickball and know what base to run to. <laughs> but like, you know, I'm five seven. Their mom's Korean, and unless you're wired insanely like a Julian Edelman, uh, well, at least you have the idea that. If they're not going to be good at sports, at least teach them jujitsu so they can defend themselves so, when someone tries to kick their ass for not being right, good at sports. Thank you. Um, but anyways, they've been playing flag football for like the past six weeks, and you know, like with everything else, the little one is just good at things. Not great; he doesn't stand out. But when you look down on the field, it's not obvious that you know he's in the middle of the pack. For somebody who's never played, pretty good. The older one doesn't, you know, is less sports driven. Um, and it wasn't really his thing, but he, he went, he, he, he tried. And this is a learn the game type thing. It's, there's no scorekeeping. It's very, you know, it's the first week. It was nothing but running some drills 
and and just being outside for two hours and moving around. And now the way it works is it's an hour of running drills with your team. They break them up into you know different teams, and I hate the fact that you know the oldest one is on the Broncos and he has a Bronco jersey because it's not the Patriots, you yeah. know. And, yeah. and and so, anyways, so he's been he's been liking it, but it is one kid. There, this kid who's much shorter than him, he's like 10, should truly be playing with the 15-year-olds. I mean, this kid is special. He is awesome. The problem is, it's like, it's not, you know, he played quarterback every single snap, every single play. Um, even when they're doing the drills and there's 10 kids and they line five up on one side, five on the other, and kid on the left goes and runs a pattern and gets a pass, goes to the back of the line on the other side, and then the next side goes. So if you're one of the receivers, you're catching the ball one out of every 10 plays. This kid is throwing the ball 10 out of every 10 plays. And when it's been that way the entire six-week thing, it's like how is anybody else going to get better if only one person does this? And it's the same thing. It's like half the time he'll throw the ball, half the time he'll scramble the entire thing for a touchdown. It's like good for him, you know, and and this kid's probably going to play high school football. My kid is not. I can tell you right now, he's not, even if he was good, would I let him play high school football? But it's at the same time, he, you know, there's only two or three kids who do anything. And so this week he finally said something to me. It's like, hey, I, this isn't fun just standing here watching this kid. I want to be, you know, more active. Um, and again, not to ever be the my son Tommy thing, but, you know, I tried to talk with the coach and he was being very dismissive about it. And so then I <clears throat> I was me. And anybody who knows me, like the bear for stuff, then the absolute poke the bear, passive aggressive, you know, heckler came out. And I'm standing on the side and there was like four plays in a row where, you know, he's more alone than I was on prom night and the kid, you know, you know, whatever it is. And I'm like, so I start making like little comments. I'm like, Grayson, oh sorry, it's I can say his name, but I'm like, no, no, he has to be the only one to throw the ball because look around, look at all the college scouts up there waiting to sign him as soon as he gets off the field. You're just here to help him look better, so you know maybe block or something, but we're all here for him. And the coach is like, do you have a problem? I'm like, yes, I I have a problem. I talked to you about it. You dismissed it. This is the way it is. He goes. I'm like, I've been here for like the last three weeks. He hasn't had the ball thrown to him one time in a game. Now, granted, he's probably going to drop it. Yep. I know it. He knows it. And I was honest with the coach. And I said that. I said, he's not good. But he's here and he's trying. And he will not get better unless he gets a ball thrown to him. He won't get better throwing the ball unless he gets a chance to throw the ball. So parenting tip of the week is... You know, don't be the overbearing parent telling the coach that your kid is the greatest and he should be the one playing quarterback all the time when he doesn't have any aptitude to it. At the same time, it's like, don't let your kid get like, you know, run rickshaw. Sorry, Biff. Um, <laughs> because is the, that even the word? I don't think so. Are you looking it up now? Is it even worth looking it up? Yes. For should, me. I, should I use another term? Wait. Is it racist or is it really racist, what I just said? It's not like I'm putting a little rickshaw in a box of cereal and selling it to kids and making commercials with it. <laughs> oh, you're right. Running rickshaw is a term. All okay. right. Oh, yeah. No. it's a, Now, again, is it a I socially think. acceptable term in 2018? Uh, 
No. Well, in certain markets. So, <laughs> how presidential of me. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to end this. Um, I'm going to start plugging this for the next couple weeks. Anybody in the greater New England area, uh, Dan Cray. Only the greatest of New England areas. Uh, Dan Cray and Beyond Id. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, uh, we're still hoping that I'm really hoping that my friend John Hunt can come up from y- who you met. Uh, and and he, I just got a text and and um, contact with for the first time since I moved to LA 25 years ago, our bass player, Sean. Wow. He's like, yeah, I heard you guys have a show and I'd like to play. And, and, and Dan had a text and, you know, with the two of them, it's like, Hey, you know, Sean wants to play. Fuck. Yeah. And, you know, and I put it out flat out there. It's like, Dan has no ass. Sean has an ass. When I'm sitting back and playing drums, like, I'm tired of looking at Dan's flat Irish ass. Yeah, you, know? you want some depth. I do, really. So, so, um, so Sean's going to join us. My eyes are hungry for some candy. <laughs> and uh, I'm very excited playing Ralph's with our friend Dave Marabella's band, The Rationales. We go on at 8, they go on at 9, June 21st at Ralph's in Worcester. Wait, what? What? I'm sorry, July, uh, September, September 21st. Okay, September great. 21st. I didn't know if I had to go forward in time or backward. <laughs> Gotta go back in time. Now that song's <laughs> in my head. I don't like you. Oh. I never thought I'd hear you sing that song. But, Jesus Christ. I didn't know you knew that song existed. <laughs> Dude. Uh, you, you sweat it out. <laughs> like right. when you would beat the sweat come out of your arms. I'm pitting back in time right about now. <laughs> but we. Uh, so I want to end the next couple of shows on, on songs that we're going to play that night. And this one is called Three Sheets. Um, lyrically, like the best part about the band is, is lyrically. Like listen to it a couple times. Uh, Dan is ironically, hysterically dark and funny. As usual. And he's a good follow on YouTube. A couple of uh, the last note on this. You know, most of our songs are about like, uh, his sexual inadequacies or, or you know, awful things that I've said that he's turned into, you know, phrases or, or just... Like Run Rickshaw? Run <laughs> Rickshaw, thank you. That will be a next single. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, um, uh, you know, a couple of the songs are about, like, intimate things with his, his, his now wife when he was lusting after her in college, you know. And I said to him, because his daughter's, like, you know, uh, early teens, and I'm like, at what point... You know, are you, are you going to have a, you know, is she going to have an issue with like, hey, that's my mom you're talking about. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, we'll have that conversation right after a teenage girl gives a shit about her father's music. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well played, yep. well played. Got away with words. What a wordsmith. So, yeah, we're going to take it out on that. Um, what does that mean to play us out? I don't know. Uh, fuck it, we'll do it live. Um, and more importantly, Jacques... Don't forget. Sell.